the oral sex is penis in the ER. Do you know, I've met people that think that penis in belly button was intercourse and wondering why they weren't getting pregnant. There was only one person in that class who really had the, the guts to kind of fight with the priest. I just couldn't believe that the majority of this class just sat there and took it. But when you think about religion and politics, all human beings are sexual beings. And that's the one thing that equalises us all. As always, I'm joined by our resident all-round great advice giver, uh, sex expert, Tanya Coons. Thank you so much for jumping on, Tanya. As always, I'm so excited for today's show. <laughs> Morning, Maya. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now, uh, last week we answered a few questions from a listener about deeply religious communities and their framing of sex as shameful. So this week we wanted to go into a bit of... Uh, bit more info, a bit deeper into the ways that culture and religion might impact someone's perception of sex or sexuality. There's a lot to unpack this week, so stay with us right here. If you have any thoughts, let us know on 0409 945 945. Tanya, how can someone's cultural or religious backgrounds impact on their ability to enjoy, enjoy sex? Let's just go right in there. <laughs> Wow, yeah, just starting with a huge question. <laughs> uh, um, I think if sex is treated as something shameful or wrong, then people start to feel uncomfortable about it and they can make it into something that's bad. We get all these pejorative words, it's dirty, it's disgusting, you know, these are all the words that are associated with shame. Mm. So they can feel like that about sex in general or they can think, that about specific sexual acts or they can think that about their bodies you know I meet a lot of people that have shame around for example semen or menstruating or are feeling the pressure from the media that they need to have a perfectly shaped body in order to be sexy mm. so you know I'm sitting across often from uh, young folk who have these beautiful perfectly formed bodies and they're telling me that they feel very unattractive and unsexy because they need to lose one or two kilos and that breaks my heart because you know I'm looking at them going wow you just look amazing and if you're out there standing in yourself and feeling confident there be people all around you being most interested in engaging with you mm, yeah. yeah absolutely um so what about this whole idea putting out there my thoughts it's a bit flawed <laughs> but um maybe just the way it's been uh quote unquote taught but what about this idea of no sexual contact before marriage where does this come from and how might this affect the way that someone views sex yeah um it's it's a big one and and again uh, if people want to wait till marriage I think that that's okay but I think what happens with a lot of religions having a no sex before marriage rule uh, there's no education about sex whatsoever and we'll come to that a bit later but what it does then is it labels sex, as we were saying, as something wrong or bad. Mm. And it creates a myth around virginity being this amazing thing to hang on to. And then also around like the first time you have sex, because because you've been holding this amazing thing, you go off, you get married with little or no sex education and expect fireworks and the earth to move. And often, I mean, think back, most of think back listeners to your first sexual experience and I'm thinking that it was most likely pretty underwhelming mm. right and in some cases it can be very traumatic 
So it leads to, I think, a sexual ignorance um, where people are told to say no, but they're not educated as to what happens after marriage. And then they get all these sexual myths into play, like, oh, well, you know, the first time will hurt. And that the people who own penises, they're supposed to know what to do, when to do it and how to do it. And I think even educated folk don't understand that much about people with vulvas arousal systems. So with all that ignorance kicking around, um, it doesn't bode well for when you do finally decide uh, to get married and go off and, and see what the mysteries of sex are all about. Mm. I guess like maybe what is the biggest issue is this idea that they have to be linked, like marriage and sex have to come together, like yeah. it, which seems as though the way it's being used and weaponized can be kind of dangerous and just really damaging, I guess, mentally. Yeah, I said, well, it depends on, on your view of history. So I know a lot of religions believe in this sort of creationist approach. But I'm sort of, I'm thinking back to uh, Christopher, I think it's Chris Ryan's book, Sex at Dawn. Mm. Um, yeah, Christopher Ryan and Jacinda, uh, Jacilda Jetha. They wrote this really interesting book and they were talking about um, when we were groups of community, communities that were roaming around on the savannah, right? So we were community groups. And in those times, everybody had sex with everybody. There were no questions asked. You felt like having sex with someone, hooray, off you went, did it, no problems. And the whole group raised the children. So it was just like this communal group with everybody looking after everybody and everyone having a good time with everybody else as well. Mm. And things only came into play about sexuality when we settled down and started having crops and animals, right? Because then patriality came into play. People yeah. wanted to know whose kids were going to get the crops and the fields, right? So what happened then was women were controlled via sex, right, to ensure the lineage. They were shamed about their desires, right? And there's, we have this myth today that women don't enjoy sex and they don't want sex. And I'm here to say that's so incorrect. We've left a word out of there. Women don't enjoy bad sex. Don't forget <laughs> that word, right? <laughs> So I think we've had all these stories perpetrated about the female power to seduce men and, and women not wanting men. When actually it's men's desire, they can control themselves. And all these stories have kind of absolved men of responsibility and put all the burden of who gets the crops onto the women because they're the people who bear the children. Yeah. Right? So that that's, feels like that's kind of tied up in religion. But when you think about religion and politics, and you think about us, all human beings are sexual beings, right? That's a very interesting concept to me. And that's the one thing that equalizes us all. So if you can get in and control people on that level, you can control a lot of people. So I think, you know, church and government kind of went, aha, this is a good way to get people to do what we want. So making people, quote, bad for having sex of a certain type mm or um, having sex before a certain event, like getting married, shaming people for their sexual orientation, all that sort of stuff simply controls people uh, rather than letting folk be and, and living in harmony because how we have sex with people has got nothing to do with all the other things that we do in our life, really. Yeah. I don't know what my bank manager does when he goes home on the weekend. Yeah, no, or the yeah. politician. Yeah. <laughs> now, what about... Um, so? Coming back to shame for a second, yeah, I'm sure we've all heard some kind of story where someone has said that they've had a hard time overcoming that shame around sex, even after they've waited to get married. How does this 
perception of shame and these feelings of shame come into play during marriage yeah it's it's so because yeah we would you get all these messages right it's bad it's wrong it's dirty it's filthy don't 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 and then suddenly you have a party wear a nice dress wear a nice suit and you can have sex right but there's very little education so people get into that with huge expectations um, couples from community where there's no sex education before marriage make up a percentage of my clients um, and they usually avoid seeking help until they want to get pregnant right because when you think about the good old relationship ex escalator it's like when are you getting married and the next question is when are you having babies yeah. so they get pressure um, but by the time they contact often the problems are pretty entrenched and what I see is that an ignorance around sex and how bodies work can lead to pain and um, and discomfort and a lack of pleasure. If people don't understand how arousal systems work or they're forcing things when one or both parties are tense or anxious, then you'll find that bodies start to clench up when they're anticipating pain. And this is a really common cause of vaginismus in those who own vulvas and then there are potential dysfunctions in their partners as a response to them experiencing pain and for those that uh, don't know what vaginismus is it's an involuntary contracting of the muscles inside a vagina or a hypertonic uh, muscle spasm in the pelvic floor region that can make penetration activities painful difficult or just impossible mm. right so it's not fun and, and so imagine if you've been waiting 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 and you have this beautiful romantic night and then nobody knows what to do and you get searing pain instead of a lovely you know the earth moving the fireworks happening mm. it's completely disillusioning people often withdraw and then they anticipate pain the next time so it kind of perpetuates itself and nobody knows what to do because they don't know who to talk to who do you talk to about this yeah, you know? yeah they keep it keep it secret and then other folks get the wrong idea about sex you know i've met people that think that penis, penis in belly button was intercourse and wondering why they weren't getting pregnant <laughs> that oral sex was penis in the er and that anal sex anal penetration's been um mistaken for vaginal penetration right so if we don't get taught things how are we going to learn and what happens then when you've got all this going on is that sex becomes a duty or a chore. And I think some religions push this. Mm. So rather than it being a way of connecting and experiencing pleasure, it's um, it's taught that it's something that's owed and given. So, And I think pleasure is not taught at school. And we need to really look at it as uh, creating an essential bond in your relationship rather than something that one party can demand and the other party must give in to. No, yeah. I, I feel that. Um, let's take a moment. We'll go to a quick track and then we'll come back and we're going to go a little bit deeper into these cultural pressures. I've got a story to share. Yes. We'll come back right here on Let's Talk About Sex on Mornings. But first, we've got some agency with this year's favourite son. Agency out of Canberra from their record Wild Possession with this year's favourite son on Mornings Right Here with me, Maya Billick. I'm joined by Tanya Kearns on Let's Talk About Sex. We are starting to unpack the ideas of shame. I don't want to be too red hot here. 
shame and how sometimes religion can impose that on you through feelings of rather give you feelings of shame around sex so we've unpacked how they can come into play in the bedroom and now we're going to have a look through uh some like cultural pressures in particular do these cultural pressures and ideas around sex and shame that can be brought on by religion have a greater impact on female identifying persons ah that's that's yep that's a big question um I th again, we were just just talking about um, how women were shamed. Like it's, I don't understand actually why it's only women that that can be shamed about wanting sex or it being bad. There's not a lot of language around um, female desire. There's lots of language and culture and reference to to um, uh, male identifying folk wanting sex. But when it's next to female sexuality, the messages are not very um, not very positive. You mm. know, I think. If you think about it, sexually empowered women, they're often burnt at the stake or, um, you know, called witches, driven out of town, told that they were troublemakers, always demonised. Uh, so I don't, I think there's some something in that too. I think it serves the patriarchy if you're thinking about it, uh, that one one group of folk is more dominant in around that. I think, you know, often uh, when it comes to women, we are the object of sex. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we're the object of sex and, and men and people with penises tend to be the subject of sex, right? So it, it's a very different way of looking at things. So we're supposed to be sexy, but they're supposed to be sexual, yeah. right? It makes, a, yeah, it makes a big difference. But also then people who own vulvas are not educated well about, they don't get great messages about their genitals or sex. We get told that our genitals don't look good, they don't smell good, they don't taste good, they're dirty, they bleed, they get you in trouble, they get you pregnant. Now, not only the last one is slightly positive for people. Most of those messages are like, ew, get away from that, right? Whereas when it comes to penises, I've seen a picture of a baby, like a, an ultrasound of a baby in the womb with his hand around his penis. Like, that's not early, man. <laughs> and I think that's great. Yeah. Right? So I think, you know, boys or people with penises learn that if you touch your penis, it feels nice. And if you jiggle it, you get an orgasm. Really great. And then what does a colleague of mine call it? The adolescent male masturbatory model of sex. You know, they sort of learn that and then they get a, a wife or a girlfriend and they basically masturbate straight into them. Uh, and that people hadn't learned about the difference in arousal systems for people with vulvas until the feminists in the 1970s started studying things and poking around going hey what's going on here there's a lot of women not in, not enjoying sex what could be the cause mm. um, and found out all manner of things and, and to this day we're still learning stuff around the anatomy of folks with vulvas I mean the full clitoral system was only discovered by our wonderful um, Dr Helen O'Connell in Melbourne uh, 12 or 13 years ago right it's not long to understand how our bodies work mm. so this is why I'm a huge pleasure activists and advocating for people to understand what um, arousal systems are like because if we treat the whole world as if everyone owned a vulva there'd be a lot more fantastic sex than if we treat the whole world as if everyone owned a penis yeah just um, saying <laughs> you're very correct there's i don't think anything <laughs> wrong there um now what about catholic guilt i think this was what the original question we had uh, a few weeks ago kind of was about Catholic yeah. guilt is just one of the 
few but most commonly spoken of phenomena that affects not only LGBTQIA plus folk, but also cisgender, heterosexual people in the Catholic community. How do these yeah. ingrained feelings of shame impact an individual? I think Catholic guilt, Jewish guilt, whatever you want to call it, guilt, religious guilt, um, affects everybody. Mm. It does affect some sectors more, that's for sure. I mean, I don't understand how you can make some folks wrong and some folks right yeah. when it comes to sex, yeah? Because often people ask me, hey, Tanya, what is your definition of normal sex? What is normal sex? And I'm like, really? It's a, a six-letter, six-word definition for me. Any sexual act between consenting adults mm. with the last two words being the operative words who can't give consent children animals dead people inebriated people and unconscious people but the rest it's all free game as long as you have consent right because i like that we're all erotic snowflakes yeah yeah we're also very very different which makes the world very interesting um so i don't understand how some people usually the people in power get to say what is okay and what is not okay because when you think about it the most religions make sex all around procreation but more sex is had in this world for pleasure than it is for procreation right so then it leads to when people don't understand or they're ignorant it leads to a lot of sex being tolerated rather than enjoyed and when you think about our bodies being built for pleasure one of the things i love about the clitoral system is that its sole function is for pleasure nothing else it does nothing else but make you feel good how good is that and if you've got a loving god your god created that right i'm sort of i talk to people all the time saying so you know i understand that your god's a loving god so sex in a relationship is meant to be pleasurable and nice and enjoyable and your anatomy is designed that when sex is going well it is fun and it is nice and it does help bring you closer together rather than making everything rigid and having a whole lot of rules and obligations because religious doctrine doesn't teach pleasure i don't know for some reason it seems in many religions pleasure is not okay and that said i do meet a lot of really great religious instructors that are from within certain communities that are really working hard to try and help uh, men and women and all sorts of folk in their communities um, understand sex and sexual activity and, and be able to act within the realms of their religion because I think that pleasure can happen and you can have your religious beliefs as well. It's not one or the other. They're definitely yeah. not exclusive. No, but not that at all. Guilt, yeah, the guilt that's perpetrated, we often have to do a lot of psychosexual education and help reframe people's ideas about sex being terrible and certain orientations being wrong and bodies being somehow not okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. my thoughts. Oh. <laughs> We're going to come back with a little bit more in-depth on how this whole idea of shame in sex is weaponized politically just after this next track. Don't go anywhere right here on Let's Talk About Sex. This one's called Survive by Dreaming Now. Dreaming now with Survive. We are on Let's Talk About Sex here on Mornings with me, Maya Billick, going through uh, shame, religion and sex. And I feel like there is no other timely example, unfortunately, right now than everything that is going on in the very, very Catholic country in Eastern Europe of Poland. 
Um, they have just re-elected a supremely right-wing, non-secular president who basically has completely weaponized this perception of what a quote-unquote proper nuclear family is to, in my opinion, pretty much scare the majority of the country um, who have this intergenerational trauma of constantly as a nation being torn apart and segregated and pulled apart, totally took that and then ran with um, this idea of like proper nuclear families, this is what a real Poland looks like, um, also inserting a bunch of BS xenophobia in there, but more so talking about how um, real Polish families and real Catholic families have to be, you know, by a man and a woman and all this stuff that you've unfortunately definitely heard before about um, what we were talking about, this idea of no sex before marriage, that the LGBT community especially is aren't real people, they're a ideology that are going to come and cause all this harm to the country and righty righty right. I don't even want to go into the depths of it because it's just <laughs> so plain stupid. Um, but thinking about this topic really took me back to, in case you couldn't guess, um, my family are Polish and when I was in my last year of high school, I went over to Poland to school to pick up all my language skills ahead of my HSC and studying Polish. And I remember so clearly a bunch of the religion classes that I went to were extremely chaotic and just wild. Um, the second class that I was in, of course, led by a priest, um, the priest decided to play this video of this American preacher who was just going in on the whole concept of virginity and purity and that it is the greatest gift you can give your partner, the best thing you can do as a Christian and it is the best form of um, contraception, you know, like what a way to give someone you really, really love uh, a gift of no STIs or STDs, which I guess is obviously accurate but very, very problematic in its sense and Unfortunately, in that class, uh, the two guys that were out of the closet, every religion class that I was in would skip the class. They obviously didn't feel comfortable enough being in there. But one, why is a priest leading a religion class with quote-unquote sex education? And two, there was only one person in that class who really had the guts to kind of fight with the priest on, well, you know, like obviously if there are two consenting parties involved and... There's nothing sinful with having sex before you're married and members of the LGBT plus family aren't sinful people. They're real people. And of course, turned around being all, no, 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 no. Like real marriages between a man and a woman and righty, righty, right. And I just, I just couldn't believe that the majority of this class just sat there and took it. So that should give you a pretty good idea of where Poland is at right now. Um, and also the fact that pretty disgustingly legally the country has been declared an lgbt free zone Ugh. which the impact of i can't even begin to imagine but is obviously extremely damaging extremely dangerous there are rumors of uh, members in communities going missing uh, because of a bunch of task force allegedly led by the government going out and finding these people and murdering them 
It's just absolutely disgraceful. And so we can't mm. even really begin to unpack how um, trying to change these cultural ideas around sexuality are not just in our direct community, but ingrained in government policy, because that is what got this president re-elected. Basically, he just weaponized this idea of um, LGBT people are harmful people who are going to ruin this country on zero basis, pretty much. Wow. Do you know, I think queer folk have been persecuted since the beginning of time. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting. I noticed you saying in the how do we create change? How do you create change when it's illegal to yeah. be who you are? Like when it's when your sexuality or your relationship style is uh, against the law and your life can be threatened for actually being true to yourself, that's uh, a very not safe place to be in and can create trauma and oppression. And, I mean, that's not even shame anymore. We now have trauma associated yeah. To people's uh, sexuality, which you know, it, yeah, it's not great, and it's a lot of work to act, actually have to come and undo those messages. And people get used to hiding who they are. And one of the things I noticed in that story, when you were talking about the indifference in the class, is often when people feel shame, they can feign indifference, like, oh yeah, whatever, it's whatever. I'm just you know sitting in the class here. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything. Mm. You might violently object to that, or you might be feeling shame because you have sexual desires and you've just been told that they're not okay and you've got a sh now all of a sudden feeling horny on the weekend is a bad thing right or um liking that girl over there when you're a girl is you know could lead to you being incarcerated or suddenly disappearing those things really create such a, a deep deep uh, ingrained self-hatred self-loathing yeah. internalized, internalized homophobia or just um, shame around your own sexual desires. And they, they take quite a while to undo those narratives and they can be with people for their whole lives. It's, yeah, it's not great. It's not something that I would agree with. I know in, in America, the largest proportion of the sex education budget from the government goes towards abstinence programs. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're, so that, you know, they have father-daughter balls where the daughters pledge their virginity to their fathers until they uh. get married. And I'm like, oh, my God. And when you compare the, the states to countries like the Netherlands and France where there's open sex education from a very young age, there's a much lower rate of unwanted teen pregnancies and, um, and even STI transmissions because people have the information they need to behave in ways that are honouring of their bodies and keeping themselves and others safe. Yeah. And that's all information does. It doesn't encourage you to run around rampantly being sexual. It gives you the right information so that you can connect with other people safely and with fully informed consent about yourself and your body. Yeah. That's what we're all about. So if someone finds it hard to enjoy or embrace sex because of their cultural or religious beliefs, past or present, how can we begin to move forward from that? This is obviously yeah. a big open-ended question we can't answer right now, but... It is, and I've touched a little bit on some of some of these things in the past questions. Um, I think it's important to remember that shame is always per perpetrated on us by other folks. Like, who are they to say what is good, bad, right, wrong? But we give a lot of power to our community leaders, our religious leaders, the government. So when I'm talking to people, especially if it's a religious belief or cultural, I'm sort of like, all right, is your God a loving God? 
right? Because what, what does your doctrine say around relationships, sex in a committed relationship? And most of the time it's meant to be an enjoyable thing in most religions. They, they really, they don't, I don't think they set out to make sex bad. I think it's the human beings that are in control of the rules yeah. that are making sex bad and shameful. So we need to remember that more sex is had for connection and pleasure rather than procreational purposes. So it forms, to me, it's like the mortar in between the bricks of your relationship. So having that good physical connection um, bonds you in that relationship so that you get through the good times and the bad. Our bodies release lovely hormones that are linked to kindness and generosity when we have sex. So I'm always like, all right, if your God's a loving God, then they're going to want you to have sex that's enjoyable. So you need to learn about your body. Because uh, often these folks have also been told that masturbation is wrong and sinful. And I'm like, well, it's actually a really good way to discover your body so you can talk to your partner about what would be nice. And the two of you can then give each other some information sheets about what works for me and create sexual experiences that work for you both rather than trying to force things in the very limited information way that you've had so far. Most people know that a penis goes into a vagina and, and not much else. And, it's, and for some folks, a penis into an anus. They don't know about warm-up techniques. They don't know about outer course. They don't know about arousal systems. So trying to force that without information, it's, it can end up in disaster a lot of the time. Mm. So having them understand that. And when I talk to them, if they're reticent about exploring on their own, I just say, well, you've come to see me as a medical person, right? So let's have a look at this as a medical activity. You're going to self-explore your body so that you can create something that's going to work towards a healthy relationship with your partner, right? So we want to look at the, the stories they're telling themselves about sex being dirty or wrong, you know, and that, that can be like prizing tightly held fingers off an object. You know? mm. It's like, all right, I want to respect, I always want to respect their religion or their cultural beliefs. It's not up to us to question other people's beliefs but it, it, we can place sex as a healthy normal natural thing in the context of their religion yeah so it's about the connection you have with your sexual partner and how you can learn your body so that it doesn't experience pain or discomfort and that pleasure is actually a good thing right sex is good and pleasure is good for you is generally my my message to folks uh, but that can take